1: It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadu. Tonight, I'm here with
2: Ino And
1: coming up, over the next 90 minutes, Government of Ghana says it is targeting an 80% success rate for the domestic debt exchange program. But that program is having lots of opposition. As we speak, there's a closed-door meeting between the Minister of Finance and individual bondholders who are saying no to the government's proposal. Also coming up, all senior high school students to receive free tablets this year. The words of the Vice President Dr. Mahmoud Obama will be interrogating that vis-a-vis past promises made in the education sector. And later on Eyewitness News, the NDC sets May for the election of its flag-bearer and parliamentary candidates. We have more on that. If you stay with 97.3 CTFM, as we bring you Eyewitness News. We also have business,
3: and the latest headline would be... Producer price inflation rate for December 2022 declines to 52.2%. That's Natalie Nethi. She'll be back
1: in some 50 minutes from the business desk of CTFM and CDTV to give us details um, in exactly what is happening in the world of business. Eyewitness News is live across Ghana on a number of affiliate stations including Eagle 94.1 FM in Walewale, Wale Westlink 88.1 FM in Laura, Word FM 88.3 in Zwarungu, Dasuma 99.1 FM in Yendi. In Pando we are on Akpini Radio 96.7 FM In Hohe we are on Heritage 107.3 FM. In the Ashanti region in Kumasi we are on Orange 107.9 FM in the Bono region, we're on Greener 95.9 FM in Suyani. In Takradi, we are on a number of stations, including Premier 100.5 FM, Beach 105.5 FM, and Sky Power 93.5 FM. Do send us your reactions to the stories on WhatsApp 549 986 549 986 Alternatively, go on Facebook and drop your comments under the live feed as you watch. Eyewitness News is coming to you from Adabraka in Accra. My name is Umaru Sanda, we're here with Enu Safo. Let's begin with a story that we already told you about, except that there's a new leg to that story. Two days ago, we brought you the story that the Public Utilities Regulatory Commission had approved for the Ghana Water Electricity Company of Ghana to increase the tariffs by some 30% and water a little over 8%. This has been discussed, but there's a different leg that is coming up for consideration. The Institute for Energy Security says that the assumptions on energy mixed generation for 2023 tariff, what that means is that how the PURC did the calculation to have arrived at what it arrived at is baseless. Nana the seventh, is executive director of the IES and he's joined us on the line. Nana, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Um, tell us what analysis you did and how you came to this conclusion.
4: Thanks for having me, Amaru. Um let's, let's start from this way. The PRC, the computation of the tariff, we want to consider as part of the other factors, including the CD, depreciation, inflation, and the rest, we want to look at the source of fuel supply for the power plant. We have two key power plants aside the renewables uh, sources. We have the thermal and we have the hydro. The thermal plant uses natural gas mainly um, for its power generation. We have only just one or two uh, power plants that may use fuel oil or um, heavy uh, crude oil or light crude oil. The other plants are hydro plants that basically uses water. And when we have more water uh, uh, or higher elevation for these uh, dams, it is able to generate more power. If you don't use the water, what then happens is you have to spill it. Spilling the excess water uh, will also cause some environmental damages and, of course, affect the communities downstream. You will remember that in 2019, in October 2019, the Bui power plant was forced to still its uh, you know, dam because its elevation went close to the maximum level of 183 meters above sea level. At the beginning of that year, the water elevation in Bui was just around 177 meters. At the beginning of this year, we have water elevation for Bui at 179 meters. It means that we have an improved elevation fall we, as compared to 2019, when in October 2019, we was forced to spill. Also same year, 2019, we had a water elevation start of the year at 79.81 for Akosombo. At the beginning of this year, Acosombo's level was 83.10 meters. It means that we have an improved elevation. For that year, 2019, hydro generation from Akosumbo or MV was 40% of our energy mix. That was in 2019. How come that today we have eighty three point one meters above sea level for Akosumbo and MV respectively? And you tell us that we can only generate 26% of our power from hydro sources. It means you are giving priority to thermal over hydro. Meanwhile, the cost of natural gas is higher than when you use hydro. And so when you deploy more, when we authority or when, uh, TRC PRC decide to deploy more of the thermal, then, of course, it is deciding that Ghanaian should pay more for electricity or it's encouraging inefficiency. And so, in our estimation, we believe that stocks can do not less than 38% of power generation for this year. If the PRC adjusts its assumption, the tariff that has been proposed will come down.
1: Okay. Why would the power producers ignore the you know hydro part of the mix and go for thermal when we do know that one it is cheap and two the operators of the hydro dam would definitely raise alarms if they are not allowed to produce to optimal capacity your calculation now means that either we are under utilizing pong and akosombo or we have shut them down sort of, all, or we are we are simply ignoring the, the input coming from there. Why would that be the case when VRA would have to account for the turbines that have been powered and how much we expect, and they are selling that power to GridCo?
4: We, we cannot blame the power producers. We need to direct our attention to the PRC, the regulator of the space, and also um, appeal to the Energy Commission, to look at the position of the PRC, because for VRA, if you give them the opportunity, they will deploy more of their hydro um, as against the thermal, and so that's what we need to direct our attention. One as what is the interest of PRC okay. in but agreeing or uh, deciding to deploy more of the turbine?
1: But what do you know? What but c- what do you know about the situation, though? Is it the case that? the turbines are not being powered or they are being powered but we are told they are not being powered
4: We we have not been given any indication that uh we power authority cannot run three turbines when they are called upon we have not been given any indication that um akosombo cannot run six units we don't have any indication that the seasonal inflow will be poor this year and so we uh, PRC must come with additional or further and better particulars, so that we can all be assured of the position they stand. But for where I stand, our estimation is that we can deploy more of the hydro as against the ter- the thermal. That's what we are very certain about.
1: And you are also sure that the water levels are not a problem, and that. The difficulties we are having with mining affecting our water bodies cannot be blamed. Drought can also not be blamed. The water levels are high, and they can operate to optimum capacity. You are certain of that.
4: I'm very certain of that. And tomorrow morning, I can share the data from GRICO with you. It's a daily, uh, uh, you know, uh, document that is shared with industry, and uh, it's not something that is, uh, you know, secret in a way. So. We are picking industry data, and our study or analysis is inch on verifiable data. We are sure about that.
1: Okay. Whose interests would they be serving then if they do not let the hydro turbines work and instead focus on the more expensive one, which is the thermal?
4: I can speak of the reverse part, that they will not be working in the interest of Ghanaians. But as to who benefits from what Ghanaians suffers from, for PRC and the Energy Commission to complain on that.
1: Very well. Thank you so much. We'll reach the PRC again and see if they would be giving us explanations to that. Thank you so much for speaking to us. Thanks for having me. That's Nana see the 7th. is Executive Director of the Institute for Energy Security, IES. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF. And there's a story that we are following for you here on CTFM and City TV. It has to do with that meeting the Minister of Finance is having with individual bondholders That meeting took a break after the introductory comments by the Minister of Finance. They said they were going to go on a 45-minute break and return to tell us what they've decided. They're back now. Let's hear the finance minister.
5: And fear God when we go there. So that is not very far from us as we look at policy um, to make sure that um, individuals are taken care of. And the society also crosses the Jordan, as I mentioned. Um, So the engagement um, would be continued um, um, to make sure that uh, we all understand um, where we are and what we have to do um, to go forward. And as you indicated, getting the common path, as you mentioned, um, for us um, to be here um, to enjoy um, the future. Um, You indicated that I... As for the technical committee um, to be set up and uh, we do await um, your two members that you sent to us um, uh, and we should have the first meeting tomorrow Um, so it is um, of urgency, it's important Uh, we must signal um, to the country that we can uh, indeed um, circle the wagons and work within our limitations, but ensure that we all come out ahead somewhat, even with our limited um, resources. Um, so once again, uh, let me emphasize um, that uh, indeed um, uh, the program that we have um, is voluntary. Um, what is, do we all have to do um, to be able to put our shoulders to the heel? And some are more vulnerable than others, and therefore some will contribute uh, more than others. Uh, But we'll find a way to get a formula, you know, that protects um, the most vulnerable and ensures that uh, we still end up being able to secure um, an agreement um, with the fund uh, in a way in which we'll have an orderly um, adjustment um, to our macros, our physical, and build a stronger country. I think one thing that also came through very strongly was the whole issue of um, uh, managing our finances a lot better, with uh, expenditure controls and commitment, etc. Um, but significantly, um, your interest in also supporting revenue generation going forward. Um, so let me uh, really thank you um, for this, and I think we can work together to have an orderly process. Um, and um, um, relieve us of the pyrotechnics in the game uh, and really in a very somber way, uh, reflective of who we are as a society be able to also show that once again Ghana is able to do it differently. I really appreciate your time here.
6: Well, Thank
7: before we leave, ladies and gentlemen,
8: we started with prayer, so we'll end with a prayer, please. And the Honourable Deputy Minister, Honourable Abnase, will pray for us, please.
1: So that's a, what just happened at the conference room of the Ministry of Finance, where um, the Minister of Finance, uh, Ken Oforiata, um has come to brief uh, the t- media of uh, on what transpired. During that meeting, behind-the-doors meeting that they had, or behind close door meeting that they had, uh, which meeting is with the individual bondholders, uh, we caught that midway. We're not sure exactly what the outcome is or what they have come out with, but it's apparent that this meeting is adjourning uh, for a continuation, it appears, and so that is what uh, the situation appears to be. Uh, from the meeting room or the conference room of the Ministry of Finance. So the engagement is continuing. The deadline for the program has been extended uh, to the end of this month. While that is happening, the minister is engaging with officials who have been opposing or objecting to the Domestic Debt Exchange Program, or DDE, as it has been called. I'm seeing there in the short A number of people who have been speaking to us, including Sanyo Hossi, who is uh, representing the uh, forum of um, individual bondholders who are saying that their their bonds should not be touched. Uh, The retired or pensioners who have also been opposing uh, that particular debt exchange program have also been going for this meeting. Uh, We would be trying to reach some of them, uh, to understand what it came out of that meeting with, is it just one of many meetings or this is the end of it? Uh, from the pictures we have seen, uh, it does not appear that much has been done. Let me go back. Uh, my colleague Hansen Ajiman is there having some interviews. Let's listen.
9: Contents of it is that the minister has agreed to set up a technical committee for us to look at how to find space in the budget so that individual bondholders will be... Absorbed of this, this. Uh, there be, it's 143 in there. Uh, yes. <laughs>
8: It yeah. grants yes, grants and... That's and why country is hmm? not to give it to no, you. No, so that is not that? certain. What is certain uh-huh. is our tax revenue ah, that we that are hoping to I didn't use
9: the word certain. Uh-huh. Yes, because so, as
8: uh, uh-huh. for grants, it's at uh, the discretion uh-huh. uh-huh. of
9: uh-huh. somebody. Why didn't you use that word? That's why I said grants and... Uh, I no. thought you told the, the figure was wrong. The five
8: million you quoted was the tax revenue that we, we uh, generated
9: in 2020. Yes, yes. So, uh, so I know what they say, yes. What you were in clear was that you didn't say grants are the discretion of somebody. Oh, no, they discretionary. But you should know as a lawyer, you should know. Like, that's it's, the is money. It's, it's the argument you have to make. You didn't Brands, make that. argument. Brands, it's clear. somebody's money. It's not your no. money. You're not
8: it. but that's what, hey, I hey, heard. That's yeah, what my, I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. My seeing. lawyer went. Yeah, I yeah, know yeah.
9: what I heard. I read yeah. the budget well, so I knew what I was saying. You say. have read the budget well, um, so what? There's nothing wrong with us correcting you saying that. No, no
8: you're not it. The tax the revenue is 96 billion. Yes. yes, and I've
9: said that so the, the grants, argument that uh, grants no belong to somebody, so let's take it out. I'm saying that you didn't make that point, you're making it look like uh, the 143 I've stated doesn't exist. Oh, no, uh-huh. so you say no, Martin. I'm saying you that leave out that. I was that.
8: comparing to the 75 billion uh-huh. you talked about, and the uh-huh. 75 billion is the tax revenue, so uh-huh. the 96 billion is in 23. Uh-huh. So, tax me, million. I didn't
9: hear, so it means that what so you're then saying, you have
8: asked for no,
9: because me, I was very certain of what I'd read, so I didn't hear your argument. Do you get the point? Oh, mm-hmm. 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 but the it's words have the to hear the words have to come in before I hear you see right now when you just said I said yes
8: <laughs> <interview>. <laughs> oh, I, mean, I
9: just accept
10: yes, I accept, <laughs> accept. accept. <laughs> so uh, Koso, these are some of the deliberations mm-hmm. that have come out mm-hmm. uh, is, we are talking about mm-hmm. the outcome of this mm-hmm. meeting mm-hmm. I was saying that yes. is the outcome only the technical committee that's supposed to be formed
9: yes but it's a very good start it's, it's, it's gone very, 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 very far. Okay? By agreeing to the technical committee. The reason for the technical committee is that the minister has agreed that we should sit down and look at how to find space in the budget. That is it. That is it. That is it. That is it. Hey. <laughs> it was like, yeah, yes. we, are, we are still live,
10: uh, but, but you, this, is, this is a government...
9: A, 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 a
10: committee is. was formed uh, mm-hmm. before this mm-hmm. domestic mm-hmm. debt exchange mm-hmm. program. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that committee couldn't get enough consensus for this to be agreed upon after its announcement, why do you think a technical committee, again, because this five member committee that was formed earlier had uh, some persons who had knowledge within the field
9: no mr Adjiman, let's it's okay for me let's i'm always that uh, let's let's just say this. it's a good start let's go into the committee for me let's repeat so that people understand what the minister are uh, the pif of our argument was that we should find space in the budget to be able to absorb individual bond and he agreed so that as long as we find space, and you know, we've made the argument. So, we've made the argument that capital expenditure is going so high, we should find space there. Then, we cited other examples. Then, we say, okay, no problem. Come and sit down. Let's do it. So, please, let's go. Let's go. It's more than good. But what is wrong with them?
8: What is wrong with continuous stakeholder yeah. engagements? Yeah. No, 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 I'm asking you, what is wrong with... The the, the the concern has been... It doesn't matter, it's a different group. These are different groups who also have different opinions that they can support and help us with. So there's nothing wrong with inviting other different opinions, because it is together that we can find, I mean, a common point where everybody benefits at the end of the day. So there's nothing wrong with um, having a larger stakeholder consultation to also reach out and get... What they believe can bring, they can bring to the table to make things better. So there's nothing yeah,
10: wrong. Do you have any timelines this said committee is supposed to operate with? The, you, you heard the, the
8: minister say that tomorrow they are meeting, they are convening a meeting. So let's be optimistic and see how far things will go. We are hoping that they also come up with um, suggestions that will help in the long run, that will um, to benefit everybody.
10: Government have what in mind is compromise for government. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, so that is uh, Martin Pebo. And as we earlier reported also, uh, representatives from the NPP are here. Uh, but let's take some thoughts from the finance minister, uh, Colonel Fariata. He is granting it an interview we'll try as much as possible to speak to him but the NPP were represented in this mo- meeting the director of communication is uh, Mr. Richard ahinagba um, many may ask uh, for the NPP what is your locus particularly in this particular meeting
11: Well, uh, I came to observe and uh, to listen to the the tone of the conversation, the direction, and what resolutions will be reached. And I think that uh, um, till the end of the meeting, I think we've reached a good understanding where a technical committee will put together to explore the issues further.
10: Now, we had seen reports of the NPP party telling the finance minister to listen to some of the concerns people are raising about this debt exchange. To what extent do you expect the government to compromise and the individuals to also compromise?
11: Well, I need to clarify. I think this uh, story was on your uh, portal that uh, the party asked the minister to uh, in a tone uh, suggesting that we are against or opposed to the uh, individual uh, bondholders being included. Uh, far from accepting or making a statement to say that we are for or against, what was said in the meeting by the General Secretary was during question time where he asked questions, uh, several questions, and one of the questions he asked was that could something be done about it? Uh, and, and, and
10: what do you make of the posture of the individual bondholders at, at the meeting at this particular meeting today?
11: I think it's, it's, it's fair. They, they came with their petition or their request, and that request was listened to very carefully. And the resolution here to explore the issues further, I think, is a good way forward.
10: Yeah. And as 80% participation, are you confident government can get that participation?
11: Well, I think that uh, it's a function of mobilization appealing to all the individuals part of the uh, uh, the bond market uh, to make a choice voluntarily to participate. I think that's the right thing to do, but they have to make the choice. Thank you very much. So let's get some more reactions from the finance minister.
5: Institutions and other individuals that are concerned. You know. So thanks. This has been a very good meeting. We look forward to what will come up towards. But let the country be calm about it. you know, It's voluntary, um, so let nobody rush into thinking anything else uh, and we will be able to uh, come to a consensus uh, which would ensure that enough uh, have tended to make the program successful. Well, would Thanks. Of the, the world, government. we don't. That's why there's a technical committee. They are much smarter than I am. So we'll see. <laughs> 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 um,
10: let's finally hear from Senor Jose.
5: Uh, the,
10: the minister, during his uh, introductory remarks, noted that some of the reactions have been dramatic. Did you hear him in, the, in his introductory remarks saying that some of the reactions to the debt exchange has been dramatic?
12: I, 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 well, I, I think he, that's, that's his opinion. I think we equally believe that his his initial submission or approach to engaging individuals was super dramatic. You know, it was theatrical. But look, we are here together right now. We are trying to work together. So we are going to work together to solve this thing for Mother Ghana. You know, and that cooperation is great. I mean, you wake up one morning, of all times, it's Christmas, the eve of Christmas that they tell you that you should look at being broke in the face. You, are, you should look at your aspiration being thrown, I mean, out of the window. For no crime committed, and I do trust the government. But he also had his reasons, you know. He has a, a book to work on. So sometimes it's just a matter of how to really balance both. You can really be carried away by one particular problem and forget the others that exist. Our job was to bring to the fore that there are other problems associated with what he had proposed. And I think he's seen reason. I mean, it's been very reasonable, I mean, very cooperative, I must, I must say. So we'll take it from there. You know, he gave us a Bible verse, we gave him a Bible verse. He came in white, we also came in white. So it's, um, it's a friendly affair. You know, like he indicated, I, I know his place. We have friends. There should be no reason why we can't talk. We will solve this problem, but this problem is for the good people of Ghana. Today we are seeing maybe 1.3 million and possibly 6.5 million livelihoods at risk. But we have forgotten that the rest of the are also aspiring to be here. You're also crushing the hope of they also being here. So practically, this has to do with every single Ghanaian. Your chance to win, your chance to thrive, your chance for your aspirations to be realized. We will work together to solve this. As the
13: technical committee sits,
12: uh, will there be a review of your stance? Review of our stance? Well, we have asked... Look, uh, those who don't really know me, uh, maybe I'll let you know, and you can probably speak, about, speak to my former constituents. My policy positions are always thought through on a balanced scale. You always have to think about other people and look at what's functional. Like I told the minister, I own businesses that are negatively affected by it. I am an unemployed graduate, and as an unemployed graduate, if my businesses are negatively affected by it, it is a big deal. But considering the challenges he has at hand, have accepted and authorized my businesses to subject themselves to this DDE. My problem is that you can't extend that to individuals because the implications are catastrophic. You, If you put it at a bank, you have come up with some forbearances, financial stability, fund, you are giving them options. There is no option for your hunger. There is no option for your inability to pay for your dialysis. The option is to go a begging. There's no option for all the work you have done to throw your dignity away. When is no fault of yours? What crime have they collect, I mean, committed? None. So, Exodus 5 1. Can you finish it for me?
3: <laughs> Thank, Thank you very much. So there's another group, the yeah. pension bondholders. Yeah. Why, don't, not to have it like it. Why don't you all come together?
12: Uh, well, as you see, uh, there was another group called the IBAG. They've also joined. That's the Martin People Group. They've also joined, and we are one. So we've come here together as one family. You
10: didn't see the pension uh, bondholders?
12: I do not have any reasons for it, but in our association, we also represent pensioners. Our conveners also have a pensioner. Um, Today you saw Larry Giaguer, who is also part of our group, who is a pensioner. So, um, the fight can be fought on different fronts, together, alongside, you know, whatever it is. The only thing is
10: for us to alleviate this impending pain for the average Ghanaian. Yep. The finance minister is asking for compromise from what we've gotten from you, you are setting in your mind that individuals shouldn't be tied, to what extent will your group be compromising?
12: Um, it's about the facts and the figures. I'm an economic policy analyst, I'm a financial policy analyst. I'm a structured finance engineer, done all kinds of deals my life. So I've spent time to really think this through. It doesn't mean that alternative ideas may not be there. But at the end of the day, the call will not be mine. We can actually come up with great ideas. And we'll put it before the currently over 220 or 217,000 members that we currently have. I don't know the number by the time I get home. But you can see, this matter has become an I read matter. Sika
10: Yemoja. Thank you, All right. Thank you very much. So uh, that is Senor Jose. Uh, he is part of the conveners for the individual bond uh, holders. Uh, they have made their points clear they think that they should be exempted from this uh, debt exchange program that is being undertaken by the government of Ghana Uh, from what we've gotten from the meeting today a technical committee is expected to be formed between the Ministry of Finance and also members of these individual bond uh, holders and uh, the next conversation Hopefully, as we will bring in to you here on City TV and City FM, will be the membership of this technical committee and how this committee will be proceeding with its work. My name is Hansen Ajman. It's been a live coverage of the roundtable discussion between the government of Ghana through the Ministry of Finance and representatives of the individual bondholders.
1: Indeed, and uh, Hansen Ajima reporting for us uh, from the Ministry of Finance. A decision has been made after the stakeholder or roundtable meeting with the Minister of Finance, uh, Ken The group or the groups have decided that there should be a technical committee to be set up to deal with the fine details of the issues that have been raised by the individual bondholders, the pensioners who are also bondholders, and a number of other groups. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF. And when we do get uh, the full uh, detail of that list, we'll be sharing with you, and also when the meeting will start. We do know that there will be a meeting tomorrow. Which meeting? We do not know whether it will be open to the public or not. But trust us here to bring you uh, details as and when we get them. Eyewitness News will return shortly. Please stay with us.
0: Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens.
1: You welcome back to IWN's News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka, in Accra. Let's talk about the Public Accounts Committee of Parliament. It started sitting yesterday and the sittings continue today.
2: The Public Accounts Committee of Parliament is asking management of the Kolibu Teaching Hospital to refund an amount of 36,000 Ghana cities paid as salaries to deceased staff in 2020. This comes after management of the facility said efforts made towards retrieving the funds from the relatives of some of the deceased staff proved futile within the last two years. Here are excerpts of the proceedings of the committee.
13: The on-end salaries we had was 115,88912, and Kolibu has been able to recover 79,000 plus, the outstanding is 36,000. We've made all the frank effort in getting through the, um, some of them are disease, um, we've gotten to the uh, nest of kin and preceding them adequately to make sure the disease is recovered. How long have you been pursuing them? Uh, we've done that, Honorable Chair, for almost two years now. You've not been successful. So I can't take your effort in pursuing them to be anything that will be positive. The only solution is, management must be funded this money. Mr. Chair, what you're also doing is we pursuing legal options in making sure that you need after them legally to recover that. I won't take that. Take note, recommendation
2: 3686 issue refined management of college. Those were excerpts of the proceedings of the committee.
1: News, this news on 97.3 CTFL. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. Let's talk now about the vice president and the education sector of Ghana. The vice president, Dr. Mahmoud Baomia, says all senior high school students are to receive free tablets. Uh, this year um, I believe we have the soundbite of the Vice President Can we can we listen to it? Okay, we do not have that uh, But the publication um, is on our website citynewsroom.com You would want to go there and see uh, Details of what the Vice President has been promising In relation to uh, the education uh, sector Which has uh, got many people uh, Talking about the promise in the education sector If I can read the story for you It says the Vice President Dr Mahmoud Baumia as announced plans by government to distribute free electronic tablets to all senior high school students across the country. Dr. Baumia says the move forms part of government's digitization agenda. The tablet, according to the Vice President, will serve as alternative textbooks for the students. The Vice President was speaking at this year's New Year School at the University of Ghana, Legon. Quote, This year, we are on course to provide all senior high school students in Ghana with tablets which are loaded with textbooks on them for their studies. That's a very game-changing development. We'll have past questions preloaded on these tablets that will be distributed, unquote. Government in the past announced its partnership with publishers in the country to roll out the initiative. There are also plans to make free internet accessible to senior high schools and tertiary institutions to improve teaching and learning. Government has said it has already awarded the contract for the first batch of Wi-Fi installations to begin in some second cycle and tertiary institutions as part of the project. Let's speak now to Peter Nochuko, to he's Member of Parliament and Ranking Member on the Education Committee of Parliament. Honorable, you're welcome to Eyewitness News.
14: Yeah, thank you very much, Umaru. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. Lots of critics of the education sector have been raising issue with the Unavailability of textbooks in schools. The vice president' proposal now, or vice president's announcement, appears to be the solution to that problem. Where you would not have hard copy textbooks, you would have tablets that would have textbooks in their plus past questions. It solves the problem and kills two stones with one bed. Thank you very much, and uh,
14: good evening to your listeners, uh, Umaru. Uh, we can all agree that there's the need for develop our education technologically, but we need to take a step at a time. I think the vice president has a good idea, but the timing is wrong. Uh, you look at uh, the supply of tablets. For two years now, we are in the third year. The teachers in the pre-tertiary institutions have paid for the tablets. And I can tell you that is so far in the last two years and we're in the third year now, only twenty five percent of the teachers received the tablet. Where are the tablets for the remaining twenty five percent of the teachers in the country? So we need to prioritize our agenda for reforms in the education centre. have very good ideas but the implementation is a problem so let us finish with one program before we implement another so the first question I'll ask the vice president is when are you going to supply the remaining 75% of pre-tacial education teachers in the country with their targets for which they have paid and government is even owing them 44 cities refund because they had overpaid so We have not done that. Now we are jumping to another one for about 1.2 million students in uh, the senior high schools. I don't think we are getting our things right. Now, if in the 2023 budget, there is no provision for the procurement of uh, tablets for senior high schools, and I know they are going to push that one to get funded. But the Get fund is so much overburdened that they cannot meet all the demands in the education center. For 2022, GetFund received only 39% of the approved allocation. And this year is going to be worse. The projected revenue for GetFund was $4.6 billion. But they are going to receive just about 40%, which is $1.8 billion Looking at all that we have, how are they going to meet all these uh, expenditures in the educational sector? As we are talking, students in the senior high schools are hungry. Government, before the reopening of schools last week, have not supplied the schools with uh, food items. So the head and head don't know what to do as far as the feeding of the students are concerned. So why don't we concentrate on how we get food for our students so that they can be fed? So that when they are not hungry, they can concentrate and learn. Yes, you can supply laptops, uh, gadgets, and uh, tablets to them. But let us do things uh, fast, by priority so that they can make their headway. Now, the textbooks that they even printed for basic schools, they are here to pay the Uh, publishers, and they are crying because they went and took loans from uh, banks at the dollar rate. And look at the rate of the dollar now. They are going to run at a loss. So, fine, he has a good dream, but the dream is untimely. And I think we should go back to the drawing board. Let's meet the priorities of uh, the senior high school. The classrooms are overcrowded. The boarding houses are overcrowded. There are so many abandoned projects uh, which, when completed, can decongest the classrooms and the dormitories. We are not thinking of all those things. We are only thinking of something uh, that is uh, not going to help them immediately. If we have all these facilities, I think the students can concentrate and learn before we introduce them to these uh, gadgets or uh, laptops and uh, iPads. And then they will be able to cope. And in a hungry environment, how can you concentrate on the learning? That is the problem we are facing in this country with secondary education as
1: a whole. When the NPP proposed or promised free senior high school, lots of critics said it was not doable, it was not going to happen. It has happened and essentially shamed the naysayers. Are you not sure that this naysaying that you are engaging in may be shamed, and that they may well succeed in delivering on this promise?
14: The issue is that it's not about naysayers. The issue is about proper implementation of the program. The senior high school, everybody agreed that it was a good program, but let us implement it in a way that the challenges will not be overwhelming. If you go to the senior high schools now, overcrowding is in the dormitories, overcrowding is in the uh, classrooms. Schools are not being given funds to run the schools. You see? And the government is owing a lot of uh, suppliers through the buffer stock. And they are not ready to supply food items to the schools again. So they feed the students anyhow. And they are always angry. Are, you, are we sending the school there to suffer from uh, malnutrition? No. So we are saying that have your priorities right. The students are there. Let's feed them first. And then when everything is done, the environment is good for them. You are able to release funds to the schools so that they can take good care of the students. Then other things can follow. We are not saying it is not doable, but you are not doing it properly, haphazardly. Anything that comes to your mind, you implement it, whether it will have any long-term effect or not. But I can tell you that it is only get funds that is getting choked. Because everything, they'll push it to get fun. It's just a laptop. They push it to get fun. As we are talking now, students in colleges of education, they owe them between five to seven months of allowances depending on the uh, level uh, of uh, the student, whether level 100 or level 200 or 300. Now, colleges of education will be open next week. The principals of colleges of education are worried how they are going to feed the students. They are lucky that the first-year students have been made to pay about 3,000 Ghana cities as an admission fee, so they will be able to uh, run the school or the college on that money for some time. So, that is the challenge we are facing. We are not saying that don't do any new program, but do what is expected of you, and in fact, make sure that people don't suffer, the children don't suffer. We send them there to go and study, not to... Uh, have uh, mental problems. So I think uh, uh, the vice president has come again. He should rather give us assurance that the challenges that are facing the implementation of the free student high school, they have overcome them. And this is what they have done to overcome them. And then new and program, we'll buy into it. That is uh, uh, the best way for him to go or anybody uh, to follow.
1: You say that they did not budget for this... Uh Tablets. Is there a way that they could get the money from any other um, approved budget for the for this particular exercise, or there's a way that it can be done without necessarily expending money this year?
14: Well, I don't know whether they are going to use the so-called contingency fund in the uh, budget that will, the fund that we made available to the Jubilee House, or they are going to get a get fund to bear that cost or carry that cross again, because they are carrying the cross of the well, one-teacher lap- one laptop, which they are yet to uh, uh, implement fully. There are other things that GetFund is doing. They will not plan for it. They to be imposed on them. Go and do it. And when they appear before the committee or the House for approval, they have questions to answer. So, and... Uh, in the end, I am sure they are going to push it to get fund, and it is where we will have a challenge of uh, funds being made available to get fund. But this can be achieved if government decaps get fund. If get fund is decapped and the whole four point six billion goes to get fund, I can assure you that all these things uh, could be done. Guess will be able to get money. To pay the allowances, uh, complete all projects that are ongoing. But if you do that and you don't give them, as now, as we are speaking, the uh, Minister of Finance is withholding over 800 million currencies that is due to get funds. So the contractors are crying. So I wonder even any supplier uh, will be wise enough uh, within these circumstances to in, uh, involve his or her money in the supply of the laptop or the gadgets to the students when verify is is unable to even pay contractors for the supply of uh, these uh, schools and uh, uh, teachers' uh, laptops. So I, I doubt how feasible it's going to be. So but that is the challenge. Money is not there. And I don't know how they're going to get money to do that.
1: Very well. Thank you for speaking to us, sir.
14: Thank you too. Have a good evening.
1: You too. That is a ranking member on the Education Committee of Parliament and Member of Parliament, the Honourable Peter Nochu. And we have more on education don't we
2: yes we do so the Ministry of Education says schools across the country have been supplied with food and given money for recurring expenditure the President of the Conference of Heads of Secondary Schools Reverend Father Stephen Usu in a City News interview had said some schools are struggling to feed students due to inadequate food supply however when City News contacted the Ministry the Public Relations Officer Kwasi Kwarteng said all schools have been supplied with the food items to facilitate smooth running of the various institutions.
15: There is nothing like feeding, and it's actually the money that is used to purchase the the items such as the food items that you call perisables. Yes, the are Those amounts, those ones, money has been released for that. Uh, and of course, the other complaint initially was a recurring, uh, the recurring expenditure. The spendings or the expenditure on administrative and uh, uh, managerial issues. Those only to allocate has made to them. But of course, uh, plans are also far advanced to also make uh, subsequent releases to them. Uh, in terms of food, just last week food were distributed across the country. Every school has been supplied. And so unless, of course, we are able to pinpoint that uh, there is a specific and then with a specific issue, then quickly we intervene and remedy the situation.
2: Kwesi Kwate is the Public Relations Officer of the Ministry of Education. Away from education, the National Concerned Small-Scale Miners Association of Ghana has given the government a two-week ultimatum to rid the country's forest reserves of Chinese nationals engaged in illegal mining. The association says the activities of the miners who are allegedly being protected by some government officials is destroying the landscape and reserves. In an interview with City News, the president of the association, Michael Kujupapra, said they would take matters into their own hands if government fails to act on demand.
6: As a matter of fact, if you go to Denya Forest Reserve, which is around Obuase and Punyase, kubi area, you see a lot of these Chinese in the forest mining with impunity. They also went to the Apapama Forest Reserve, which is around the Bipotentain, Numerso, to, uh, water. We went there and we saw a lot of these Chinese mining, uh, impunity, just destroying our water uh, bodies and our forests. That is why we brought out this statement that, you know, when we voted for our president, you know, we handed over the sovereignty and then the protection of this country to him. So as a matter of urgency, we needed to protect these forests. And then, what these Chinese people are engaging in is illegal, because the Minister of Lands and Natural Resources has come out to clear all forest reserves in this country as a red zone. So why is it that these Chinese will be allowed to mine with impunity? That is how we are giving government a two-weeks ultimatum to make sure we clear all these Chinese Miscarrings from this forest reserves. If he fails to do that, we would also have to go in and then get them out.
2: Michael Kojopapra is the president of the National Concerned Small Scale Miners Association of Ghana.
0: Get the, the details, detailed. every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed.
3: Time now for City Business News and Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Nete Ajaho. Let's settle for the details. Recent data from the Ghana Statistical Service indicates that the producer price inflation for the month of December 2022 fell to 52.3% from the 78% recorded in November 2022. The monthly change rate was negative 13.3%, indicating the rate of inflation slowed down during the month under review. The PPI for the industry, less construction, Decreased to 65.7% in December 2022 from 94.3% in November 2022. The rates in the construction sector also decreased to 22.1% from the 26.6% in November 2022. The inflation in the construction of building sector decreased by 22 percentage points over the November 2022 rate of 100.2% to 78% in December 2022. The Association of Oil Marketing Companies says although it supports government's goal for oil policy, it doubts it would be able to bring reduction in the price of fuel at the pumps. The government introduced the policy as part of efforts to mitigate the rising cost of fuel in the country and has already taken receipts of its first trench of about 40,000 metric tons of fuel. Speaking to City Business News on the sidelines of the swearing in and inauguration of the newly AOMC elected Board of Governors, CEO of the Association Kwaku Ajimandia stated that the gold for oil policy will lead to some market stability by addressing the fluctuations caused by the demand for forex.
13: Anytime an it's good to look at it. Look at it very well. And it's something that we are going to do it for the first time. So we don't throw the good idea away. You only guide it, look at it, then as you move on, you critique it to make it better. I can see that. For me, what I can see is more of a stability in pricing. The reduction, you no, know, where, where market price of fuel well, is the same. If uh, somebody goes down as a discount, and you remember, some people, that's their forte. That's where they make their money. Uh, but in terms of stability, that's I, can, I think we can have that. Because it's like you dealing with a particular trader. Consistency will be there. But we know also that if you've got competing traders, you also, you can also have a better deal. You know, so it's between that one and being the uh, monopolistic one. So it depends on how hard you bargain, and the kind of what you can and at least a better trade.
3: Kweku Ajimundia is the Chief Executive Officer of the Association of Oil Marketing Companies. An economist, Professor Peter Korte, is urging the government to set up a fund which will cushion individual bondholders who will lose their funds as a result of the domestic debt exchange program. Despite various concerns from groups such as the individual bondholders about the program, government says it is targeting an 80% participation to help the government progress with plans to restructure the economy. Speaking to City Business News, Professor Peter Quarty said the individual bondholders may reconsider their position if government assures them of financial cushioning in the aftermath of the haircuts.
16: What I find puzzling is that for the banks, there is a fund that is going to be created. So, banks that suffer as a result of the debt exchange can then apply to the fund and get some relief or respite. What about the individual bondholders? There is nothing at all. In the days of the structural reforms, the days of face-up, we managed to provide what they call the program to mitigate PAMSCA, the program to mitigate the social cost of adjustment. So people who suffered during the period were, in a way, given a human face. In this debt exchange program, I don't see any option for individual bondholders who are not going to survive, who are going to struggle, to resort to. So I believe all of this have to be incorporated so that we can move on with the process. Hmm. The effect we do have to back by figures. Now, if we say we are going to pay uh, 10% coupon rates on the bond set of zero, what would be the effect? You know, Have the dialogue with them, show them the figures, show them uh, let them understand where we find ourselves. Because if the system goes down, if the economy goes down, the likelihood that the bondholders will not get it, anything is also very all
3: right. Professor Peter Korti is an economist. The Ghana Investments Promotion Center is urging stakeholders within the trade and industry sector to prioritize investments in the Guinean space. The investment center explains that the country cannot maximize its economic fortunes without significant investment push. Speaking at the 3rd Malta Ghana Business Forum in Accra, the Deputy Chief Executive of the Ghana Investments Promotion Centre, Yao Amwating Ifriye, assured investors of government support to the private sector.
0: We can't recover without an investment-led approach, which is why GIPC is leading uh, that uh, charge through the Ghana Cares of our project, through the 10-point industrialization. Uh, Agenda which has been set out by the Ministry of Trade, and we believe that foreign direct investment will augment our, our efforts uh, to recover, at least in the near term. But it's a complex global environment, we, we will not shy away from that. We have had a very difficult uh, three four years, we were growing at average at least seven percent, and of course, the ravages of the COVID 19 pandemic is obvious. And just when we were rebounding uh, from a post COVID environment, we all know what happened. And as I've stated in my remarks, we are in a precarious geopolitical environment which has Enormous ramifications for economies such as ours. And you know that we are currently embarked on an IMF program and let's hasten cautiously. But beyond foreign direct investment, we are also mindful that there is a lot of activity from local investors. The Ghanaians are investing more in Ghana and GIPC, which is the body responsible for mobilizing not just foreign direct investment, but also local direct investment, want to encourage more local direct investments into the near term.
3: Yao yeah, Amwating Ifriye is the Deputy Chief Executive Officer of the Ghana Investments Promotion Centre. The CEO of Markdown Group of Companies, Daniel McCauley, has raised concerns over the dominance of foreigners in major sect- sectors of the Ghanaian economy. This, he says, is a stumbling block to the development and industrialization agenda of the country. Speaking at the 74th Annual New Year School Conference at the University of Ghana, Mr. Macaulay stressed the need for indigenous businesses to take center stage in all major industries of the economy if Ghana is to thrive under the African Continental Free Trade Area Agreement.
17: In the United States, we're controlled by Americans. Four or five indigenous companies in Japan build the whole of Japan. Now, let's look at Ghana. Ghanaian businessmen don't control any sector of this country. Rather, we contribute. All sectors in Ghana are controlled by foreigners. Banking is controlled by Nigerians and the South Africans. Retail is controlled by Lebanese and Indians. Manufacturing is controlled by Indians and Lebanese. Telecom sector is controlled by British and South Africans. Oil and gas, mining, trading, you name it. They are controlled by foreigners. So, I asked the question, how does private sector thrive?
3: Daniel McCoy is the CEO of Magdan Group of Companies. And that's all for City Business News. On Eyewitness News, it was powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Nete Linete Adjahu. Up next is Point Blank.
0: Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash ct97.3. Twitter at twitter.com forward slash ct973. And Instagram at instagram.com forward slash ct973. With the hashtag Eyewitness News. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens.
1: This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. My name is Rusanda. But Tonight on Point Blank, we go to the NDC headquarters in Adabraka, in Accra. The General Secretary of the Party, Fifi Fiavi Kuiti, has been addressing the media on the party's plans to elect a flag-bearer. ...and parliamentary candidates. The party has set May for that election. But there have been also announcements... That, ...other announcements that have been made. So let's listen now to what the General Secretary of the NDC has been saying.
7: I stand uh, on behalf of the executive of the party... ...to thank all of you for all the supports you gave... ...before and during and even immediately after our Congress. Uh, we are grateful to God and grateful to the whole country... Uh, ...for that support... Uh, we immediately set into uh, activity to ensure that we complete the round of elections. As you will recall, we started this whole process starting from the branches of our Mm -hmm. political party, moved from the branches and moved to the constituency elections, uh, moved from there to the regional elections, and then a month ago we did a national Uh, elections, I mean for the election of our national executives. Uh, We still have uh, two more in order to be able to bring uh, the journey to a completion and set us uh, in readiness towards uh, moving finally towards uh, the national election that will be due on December 7, uh, 2024. Now the final two which are left uh, which it is that we are here to unveil to you in terms of the timetable and some of the processes that are going to uh, be invo- I mean, involved towards uh, these final two. Now, the first one is going to be the parliamentary elections, and the second one is going to be the presidential elections. Now, we will begin uh, with the parliamentary elections and let you know exactly the processes um, that are going to be involved in uh, coming with the choices of our parliamentary candidates across the 275 plus one constituencies. Because as far as our concern, we are concerned, we make provision also for some, uh, the one, one enclave to ensure that we make preparation towards all that. Now, so beginning with the parliamentary Uh, I'm happy to inform you that uh, the guidelines that we are coming out with are designed to guide the the conduct of very competitive democratic elections uh, for the selection of parliamentary candidates uh, for the National Democratic Congress. And this is in line with the provisions of the 1992 Constitution and Article 41 of the NBC Constitution. Now, the purpose of these guidelines is to ensure free, fair, credible, and transparent elections of parliamentary candidates to represent the NDC in the 2024 general elections at the constituency level. Now, so the election of the parliamentary candidate for every constituency, uh, I'm happy to inform you, shall be held on Saturday, the 13th of May, 2023, in accordance with Article 41, of the NDC constitution. So I think that again, the parliamentary primaries for the NDC shall be held on Saturday, May 13th in accordance with Article 41 of the NDC constitution. Now, in terms of the venues, the election of parliamentary candidates shall be held at a venue within the constituency as determined by the constituency executive committee in consultation with the regional executive committee in all the regions. So the venues are going to be within the constituencies. It's not going to be coming together at a venue in Accra as we saw in our national congress, no. Each constituency will have a venue and that venue is going to be determined by the constituency executive committee in consultation with the regional executive committee in each region now let's talk a little about the qualifications now a person desirous of contesting for the position of parliamentary candidate of the ndc in any constituency shall one be a citizen of ghana who has attained the age of 21 years or, or above two be a card bearing member of the party in good standing who has paid his or a party membership dues in full and here we specifically expect that you are going to have to have paid over a period of four years three, be a native member of a branch of the party in the constituency for for no less than four years immediately preceding the date of filing of, of his or her nomination Except as otherwise determined by the Functional Executive Committee or except the person is a member of a foreign or external branch of the party. So these are uh, the critical uh, ones. There are two more. Five, the person should not be a member of any other political party. So that goes without saying, you must be exclusively a member of our party. That is four. And then five, the person must be qualified to be elected as a member of parliament under the provisions of the 1992 constitutions so these are very important as far as uh, requirement for qualification are concerned now in terms of disqualification a person shall not be qualified to contest as a parliamentary candidate of the ndc if he or she is disqualified under the electoral laws of ghana from contesting for the position of member of parliament two if the person for any reason is disqualified from being an NDC member under Article 48 of the party's constitution. Three, the person fails to meet the requirement for the election of member of parliament under Article 94 of the 1992 constitution of Ghana. Now we have a, a particular provision for members of external chapters or members resident abroad. Now, this goes as follows. A member of the party who belongs to a foreign chapter or is resident abroad who wishes to contest as a parliamentary candidate must show with documentary proof that he or she does not hold allegiance to or is not a citizen of any other country except Ghana. Now, so, these are uh, the important procedures that we think you needed to know, that allows for qualification and that also provides for disqualification of any one who is showing an interest in running for the parliamentary primaries. Now, in terms of the payment, nomination forms shall be made available online for download on www.ghana-ndc.com and a non-refundable fee of five thousand Ghana cedis will be paid online via the stipulated Momo or bank card. So this actually has to do with um, an internal platform of the party. And so those who are going to um, pick forms for the parliamentary um, uh, primaries would have to make a non-refundable fee of five thousand Ghana cedis. To be paid using our payment platform and that's what I just mentioned now the completed form A and the form B the form A is actually for the nomination form and form B that's the endorsement form shall be completed in triplicate and returned to the relations directorate of the constituency on the announced dates by the general secretary after the payment of non-refundable filing fee of 40,000 Ghana sales. 40,000 Ghana sales. So this will be a non-refundable filing fee. Once you go through the processes and the party deems you uh, sufficiently qualified to be able to run, a non-refundable fee, filing fee of 40,000 sales will be paid by each person who is aspiring to become a parliamentary candidate. But we as in line with our democratic, social democratic philosophy, we also have a provision that is made for female candidates and persons with disability. And these two categories, that's female candidates and persons with disabilities, shall pay 50% of the approved fee. So that's actually in line with our commitment uh, towards uh, uh, the, the gender in terms of gender balance and also encouraging uh, people with disability to be able to run without having to be subjected to the same uh, nomination fee as the normal, as other, other candidates uh, have to go through. Now let me just walk you through quickly the detailed timetable, the detailed timetable. And so this is a timetable for the parliamentary elections. As I mentioned already, the election itself will happen on Saturday, the 13th of May, 2023. Now, the opening of nominations. The opening of nominations will be on Monday, the 22nd, and that will be for a period of three days. So, Monday, the 22nd of February, 2023, up to 24th of February, 2023. So opening of nominations will be between the period 22nd February to 24th of February Submission of forms, that's uh, for the filing of nomination will be done between 20th March 2023 to 22nd of March 2023 So that will be for the submission of forms After you have picked your nomination and gone through the whole procedure You'll be expected to submit your forms in the period, within a period of three days. That's Monday, the 20th of March, 2023, up to 22nd of March, 2023. Then there's a period for vetting, which all these uh, uh, aspiring parliamentary candidates will have to go through a period of vetting. And that period is going to be between 27th of March to 29th of March. you have a period for appeal to allow for processes for candidates that may have issues that they want to make an appeal after the vetting if there are issues with them they are granted a period to make the appeal and that will be between 30th of march to 6th of april so 30th 30th of march 2023 to 6th of april 2023 and then as i mentioned earlier the main election would happen on May the 13th, that's Saturday, May the 13th, 2023. i highlight a, a final part, then we move to the presidential guidelines. Now, this has to do with our expectation regarding how campaigning is supposed to be done. Uh... As a party, we've had um, many years uh, going through this procedure. So, we encourage, just as we have gone through the processes from the branch all the way to the national executive, we do expect that in this upcoming uh, parliamentary primaries, the same levels of, uh, shall I call it, democratic patience is shown by all who are interested in running. Because our intention is to make sure at all moments the unity of the party, the peace of the party, the readiness of the party to be ready for the major election ahead of us in 2024 remains paramount. So the following are uh, the guidelines relating to how we expect campaigning to be done. All contestants shall be at liberty to undertake campaigning in all the branches of the party without lets or hindrance before the polling day. So we don't expect any hindrance to be placed in front of any contestant once they have picked their forms, once they have picked their forms and going through the process of, uh, of uh, running. Now for the avoidance of doubt, no campaigning is going to be allowed on the polling day itself. All contestants shall be free to display prominently their names, their posters, another paraphernalia in all areas within the constituency before the polling day now the last bits i wanted to highlight regarding the parliamentary has to do with uh, public statements press statement and public pronouncement now no other, institution branch or structure of the party shall issue any public or press statement in support of any of the contestants. Now, for the avoidance of doubt, what it is we intend to have is this. No party executive, whether at the national level, at the regional level, or at the constituency level, or any member of any organ of the party, shall issue any public statement or make any public pronouncement which have the effects of committing the support of the whole of that organ or institution or branch or structure of the party to any contestants. Now, so what it is see here is that we do not, for example, expect the general secretary of the party to make an announcement, for example, to say that all the functional executives for the NDC are in support of one particular parliamentary candidate. The same way we don't expect that to happen at the level of the region, not to happen at the level of the constituency, or any other structure of the party. Individuals have the right uh, to support candidates of their choice, but they have no right to commit the whole of the party or any structure or or entities of the party to their uh, uh, preferred candidate. That will not be allowed. And the party will make sure that firm disciplinary action will be taken against anyone who dares to contravene this particular regulation. Now any person who violates or breaches any part of these guidelines shall be subject to sanctions by the national executive upon recommendation of the constituents of the of the disciplinary committee of the party. Now so broadly these have to do with the parliamentary guidelines that I've just walked you through. So effectively what we've done is to state the dates that we are going to have our parliamentary primaries and then a the timetable that leads to that. Uh, what the qualifications are, what the disqualification uh, um, uh, I mean, qualific- is going to be and the amount that uh, each uh, uh, contestant is expected to be able to pay by way of uh, picking the form and also uh, uh, filing, filing of the nominations. Now, so please move on to the presidential. The presidential. Now, the, these particular regulations Uh, regarding the conduct of the presidential primaries of our party are again made in accordance with Article 41 and 42 of our Constitution and are designed to ensure the conduct of free, fair, and transparent elections for a presidential candidate for the NDC for the 2024 general elections. Now, the election of the presidential candidate shall be held on Saturday the 13th of May, 2023. So effectively, our intention is to make sure that we have the presidential and the parliamentary primaries on the same date. So the two elections are going to be held on the same date. That will be Saturday the 13th of May, 2023. Now this is going to be done at voting centers in all 276 constituencies of the NDC, which includes the South Guan catchment area. The national headquarters of the NDC shall constitute an additional voting center for all delegates from external branches of the party. Now, here again, let me quickly walk you through the timetable. And... Uh, Effectively, it's an alignment of timetable. So we're going to basically have the same uh, timetable for the for the presidential elections as well, primaries as well. So the opening of nominations will be between the 22nd February 2023 to the 24th of February 2023. Submission of forms and filing of nomination will be between 20th. Of March 2023 to the 22nd of March 2023. Vetting will be between 27th of March to 29th of March 2023. Appeal is going to be allowed between the period of 30th of March to 6th of April. And the and the primaries, the presidential primaries, as I mentioned earlier, will happen on Saturday, the 13th of May 2023.
1: Fifi Fiavi Kweiti, General Secretary of the National Democratic Congress, outlining the party's electoral calendar. If you are a member of the Yezu Party, and you have the appropriate accreditation to vote, then prepare to vote for your parliamentary candidate and your presidential candidate on the 13th of May. 2023. That will be it for Eyewitness News tonight. My name is Umaru Sanda Amadou. Production by Bevlin London with support from Zoe Abubadu Ado and Fred Tete Jabano. Technical support came through from Daniel Squashi. Edwin Kwakofi was taking care of the new media staff for us.
17: City News, we speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-224959 and get
2: interactive on Facebook, City97.3 FM and on Twitter at City973.